This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Many companies are changing how they do business because of the speed at which they need to deliver to consumers is increasing. And that means that firms must also do away with best practices that no longer deliver what the company had intended. Sometimes these are also referred to as bad habits. A new book looks at the shift going on in companies right now. It is titled Detonate, Why and How Corporations Must Blow Up Best Practices and Bring a Beginner's Mind in Order to Survive. Jeff Tuff is principal at Deloitte Consulting. He's also senior leader of the innovation and applied design practices uh, operation in that company. Stephen Goldbach is principal at Deloitte as well. He's also chief strategy officer and a member of their U.S. executive leadership team. And it's a pleasure to have them both joining us right now. Jeff, Stephen, welcome both. Thank you both. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Thank you. I I think many people or companies believe that best practices are in the best interest of that firm. But uh, going through the book, that isn't necessarily always the case, Jeff. No, it isn't. And, and, you know, there's a good reason why best practices exist. uh, And that is that for many, many years, people learned the lessons of their forebears as the way to operate their businesses, whether they were just, just generally in an industry or within any specific company. And when uh, things don't change that quickly, when things change on a linear basis and you can predict the way that things are likely to turn out in the future, that's completely fine. Doing the things that people have done before you actually is a good way of being successful. However, when change accelerates and we can no longer rely on the lessons of the past to do things um, well, then that's where best practices become really dangerous. And, you know, the great fallacy about best practices is that they can somehow create some competitive advantage. But just logically, if you think about it, if everyone is following best practices, there is no advantage there. Best practices don't become best. They become average. So, Steve, why now for a book like this? What what is it about this period of time that we are in, in business and society, that really we have we have the need to have a book like this and to consider all of these changes well the the major uh, change that's going on is that if you speak to every executive as as jeff and i as as jeff and i do often in the marketplace you'll hear them say you'll hear them say that the pace of change has, is faster than ever and the root cause of that is the development of uh, technology that is obfuscating business models uh, that have worked in the past and so therefore the the vicious cycle that Jeff and I see is that what we've learned throughout our careers um, and what we want to apply, what we have the tendency to apply is the things that we've learned in the past. However, if you believe that the, if you believe that somehow the world will be different in the future, then those lessons no longer apply. And so therefore, we need to come up with something new that will work in the future. And what Jeff and I want people to do is to go back to the first principles of business, the ability to understand consumer behavior and test things out in the marketplace right. as, the, as the thrust rather than, rather than what's been done before. So part of this, Stephen, is to a degree, companies many times kind of get into pattern, they get into tradition. Uh, of of how they do business, a- and a lot of companies really get hurt by that. Maybe thinking that they are doing best by staying in that quote unquote tradition, when really the bottom line or the company process or the operation is being hurt in the end. Correct? 
Yes, and a, gr- a great example, you know, the classic example of that is, of course, Blockbuster that defined its business as not being in the in the DVD to the to the home delivery market, and said we're in the store business. And of right. course, the store business just became just became not uh, not relevant anymore. And so the the key thing that executives need to do is go back to those first principles. What is it that your customers want to do? Um, always under always understanding what's driving their behavior. We see the same tendency in shopping today, where you know st- uh, a, a lot of retailers are trying to address the challenges with e-commerce by making their store modestly more attractive. And we'd say they've got to go back to what is the consumer deciding between. They're deciding between going to the store or not, and not a modestly better uh, shopping experience. Jeff, is it at times also a little bit, maybe a level of complacency with success for companies out there? At the organizational level, yes. I think everyone is able to rest on their laurels when they have been successful. And interestingly, I think the place where we see best practices most locked up are with the most successful businesses out there. However, there is a really important individual element here where each of us, as people operating in big companies, are trying to optimize for our own personal outcomes. And that makes taking personal risks really, really – it feels dangerous. It feels – as you might imagine, risky. And so the best way to protect ourselves to advance in our careers is to follow what our mentors have done in the past, what the playbooks say. And perversely, what ends up happening is when you get a bad outcome by following those playbooks, instead of saying, well, geez, that didn't work. Maybe I should try something different. What tends to happen is people just adhere ever more closely to the playbooks and get even worse outcomes. And that's the vicious cycle that we describe in the book that actually is as much about personal risk-taking as it is organizational risk-taking. You know, it's interesting. In going through the book, and, and I'm somebody that I worked in baseball for more than 13 years, and, and I found it interesting, you guys starting off the book with the with the story of Moneyball and the Oakland A's and, and how the idea of bunting in baseball kind of just became this tradition. And, and now how some teams, including the one here in Philadelphia, wants to go away from it because it at times can provide more negative than it can positive. Yeah, and we thought that that was a that was an interesting example, simply because it took so long for that evolution to happen. And the insight that Bill James had back in the seventies, um, you know, to even took nearly you know twenty years to get you know someone to adopt it with with Billy Bean. And but I think most importantly is the lesson that you know once that's the case, you know, it's pretty it has been pretty easy for other teams to adopt you know uh, adopt that that new practice, and so therefore it didn't give. Uh, the Oakland A's necessarily a, an advantage. It just made it made the table stakes higher. So, failing to failing to do something that just becomes the the, the common sense thing is also just a a, a miss by uh, organizations. We're talking with Jeff Tuff and Steve Goldback, who are the authors of the book Detonate: Why and How Corporations Must Blow Up Best Practices and Bring a Beginner's Mind to Survive. So, Jeff, I'll start off of the the subtitle of the book: The Beginner's Mind. What is necessary to have that when you're starting to make these changes within a company? The, the, the number one um, attribute, I would say, is curiosity. And so, you know, as, as, we, as we talked about the baseball example before, there wasn't a presumption um, coming to the question of whether or not we should bunt in certain situations. There wasn't a presumption that there was a right way of doing things. There was a certain level of curiosity about what would happen if I tried something different. So the notion of beginner's mind, which is something that's, that's actually well-spoken about in a lot of business circles these days, is actually something come, that comes originally from Zen Buddhism. And 
there's a famous quote in Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind by Suzuki, which, and I, I will maybe get the quote a little bit wrong, but it's something along the lines of, in the beginner's mind, there are many options. In the expert's mind, there are few. And what we're challenging companies to do today is not to bring an expert's mind to the table, not to presume that we know the way things will operate. We know the way our markets will unfold. We know the way our competitors will react if we do certain things. And instead, look at things afresh, which is exactly what entrepreneurs do when they try to bring a new disruptive business model to an industry. So detonate at the title of the book, you, you say that it is in part a mindset as well, Steve? Yeah, and I think I think what we want what we want leaders to do is to think differently and act differently. So one way that they they would think differently is doing exactly what Jeff said and bringing a fresh perspective, bringing that beginner's mind. The other thing they do is they're really they're really curious about what is driving their uh, their customers' behavior, and it's that focus on behavior which is the most basic element of business that gets them. Uh, that 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 has the root insights of of what they could do differently than their competition, and then they've got to act differently, um, and it, acting consistent with that with that mindset by making what we call in the book minimally viable moves, which is just right. which is just trying something out and and seeing if it works. Because again, if you want to do something that's never been done uh, before, you've got to you've got to try it out a little bit to 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 see if it works, and then. Importantly, embracing impermanence because you can't get to, in a world that's moving so quickly. You can't get too wedded to any single structure or system or process that uh, sort of creates that same vicious cycle all over again. So you've got to be willing to um, walk away from something that has worked that has perhaps worked for a while, even if it was successful. And how much of that 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 quandary at times that companies find themselves in is either sped up. Uh, amplified uh, by the fact that that our our uh, our culture right now is so digital at this point, Steve. Well, I think that the the issue is really the, about the reinvention of business models, and you see that happening. You see that happening with companies like Uber, which you know disrupted the taxi business and is you know incessantly trying to disrupt itself with investments in uh, autonomous vehicles. And so this is a this is a classic example where companies need to be restless where they they know that the business model of today won't necessarily apply in the future. So I think that that's a good uh, example there, Dan. 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment on Twitter, at BizRadio132, or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. You know, uh, Jeff, one of the examples of a company that you bring up in the book, and for our friends listening up in Canada, uh, is Tim Hortons, uh, which has had an unbelievable run of success in that country, starting to have it in other locations around the world. What was it about Tim Hortons that ended up making them being able to potentially change processes and have the success that they're having right now? Well, the basic lesson that we, that we brought from Tim Hortons into the book, and I, I generalize it beyond, um, beyond that, that restaurant to others as well, is that they didn't assume that the way things that had happened in the past would continue to unfold in the future. So the rate of opening of new stores in various different locations is not the way that they approached um, anticipating their forecast looking forward. And actually, the story we tell in the book and it's a story that I'll attribute to my friend Steve, my co-author here, um, was that we, we, as we were helping think of through this challenge, we actually made a mistake ourselves in looking at past data as a way to project what was going to happen in the future. And with them, we were able to 
work towards a better outcome and obviously great growth for the company because we were able to catch ourselves before that became too disastrous a projection. Yeah, one of the yeah, one of the yeah. one of the things that they did was they they re they reimagined what a store meant. So they had declared that they would have 2000 stores by 2000 and if you looked at any conventional way to get there the, the the market was just saturated, but would they 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 reimagined what it was a, a store would look like, and they were the ones that came up with the the donut store in the in the gas station concept and opening yeah. them in in different kiosks, and so it was just a reimagination of what a store would be. You talk uh, a little bit in the book uh, about uh, revenues, and obviously many companies are driven by their revenues, uh, but but should they be the be all end all for a company, Steve? Well, I think the most important thing is that revenues are an outcome, not an, an input. And what we talk about in the book is that when companies do their financial forecasting, they oftentimes treat revenue almost as if it's a given and then cost as an outcome rather than the opposite. And so they start by saying, well, how much is the market going to grow over the next five years? And what's our fair share of that? And then how much profit do we want to make? And then they ask themselves, how much can we afford to spend to generate that revenue? When, of course, the world works in literally the opposite way. And so what we're simply saying in the book is not that revenue isn't important or not to focus on it, but rather that it's an outcome of spending your costs uh, spending on your costs in order to change customer behavior to drive revenue. And I think if companies understood that they have to literally start from zero every year and earn it, they would be less susceptible to disruptive forces. Jeff Tuff and Stephen Goldback are the authors of the book Detonate. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio132 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. You talk in the book as well, Jeff, about strategic planning. Uh, How how should companies think about that or should they not rely on that as much as, as they move forward now? Well, no, we, we absolutely are supporters of strategic planning, but there's, it does need to be approached differently. So first of all, strategic planning shouldn't be attached to an annual calendar per se. The, the, the way that most strategic plans in companies are developed these days is because it's time to develop our annual budget, that's when strategy happens. And in reality, strategy should actually mirror the way that people in our markets are behaving and the way our markets are unfolding. So. For some companies, strategy is something that should be revisited um, every quarter, for example. That sounds like a daunting effort. It doesn't need to be a complete redo of the strategy. But for other companies and other industries, it's actually something that um, can be on a three-year or five-year cycle. One of the things that actually colleagues of ours that we talk about in the book at the Center for the Edge have looked at is the so-called zoom-out, zoom-in approach to strategy planning, where we're no longer assuming that we can make good predictions about what's going to happen in the next two to three years because we are in this state of exponential change being driven by all things digital that that you mentioned before. But instead, what we can do is we can imagine a future using scenario planning. We can imagine a future 15, 20 years out and say, if that's going to be the end place where we end up, what do we critically, and that's the zoom out component, what do we critically need to do in the next few months? What are the absolutely critical actions that we need to be able to take to put us on the right path towards that future and actually ignore the three-year plan or the five-year plan. That's what we're starting to see some of the best strategic planners out there starting to do. 844-942-7866 is the number to join in with your questions. We're talking uh, to the authors of the book, Detonate, Jeff Tuff, Stephen Goldback, joining us, 844-942-7866 if you'd like to join in. So with this 
this mindset of change, Steve, how do you think then leaders need to approach the, the, the path that their company is going to go to if they need to be considering all of these potential changes, which maybe have been on their radar, but maybe not uh, enacted on, on, on enough? Yeah, and what we see is one of the one of the things that leaders um, often do unintentionally is subtly reinforce, you know, either best practices or past behaviors by by the nature of the questions that they ask, and so they ask their people to prove things that haven't been done before by either asking questions like, you know, tell me what's the return on investment. And it's not that we're saying that return on investment is a bad concept, but by asking for the person you know pitching an idea to tell precisely what the return on that idea will be is causing that person to have to assume all the risk associated with that project and prove something that's never been done before and so if we think about asking leaders asking slightly different questions that elicit a learning mentality that elicit a testing mentality by saying you know what would the what would have to happen for us to generate a positive return? What do we expect our um, what do we think our customers might do? How might they react? How might we test this in a small way? They can elicit those different behaviors and and start to transition the mindset of their organization. And I think that that's the place where we would recommend that that, that leaders start. And, and that was going to be my next question: is how does then this filter down to the employees, whether it be you know the uh, uh, the mid level managers or you know the uh, day-to-day, everyday employees themselves. So, so we, we talk in the book, as Steve was saying before, about the various different mindsets that are associated with um, being able to detonate. And I, I, I think we both argue that it has to happen both at the top of the house, where you're given clearance to be able to think and do things differently, but it's also the responsibility of everyone down through middle management to the average employee to start to think about things differently. So the four different principles that Steve talked about before when people ask us which one is most important and how can we really start to make changes immediately as individuals within an organization, the one that we talk about that probably has the most impact is to, to start everything with human behavior. So Steve talked before about the criticality of human behavior as being the most basic economic unit of analysis of any company. And what we mean by that is you cannot change your performance curve. So you can't grow better or you can't take out costs unless someone somewhere whether it's in your operations or in your market, someone somewhere needs to change their behavior. And so if we can actually aim our planning resources and aim our execution resources at understanding the behaviors in our whole business system that have the most economic value and then invest disproportionately in making those happen, right. we will end up succeeding as a company. But the problem is that a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of employees, a lot of middle management don't think that way. They think about the processes they have to run about the reports they have to generate. And so if we can just all of us start to think about what are we trying to create in the world, what type of human behavior, then I think that's going to be a really significant step forward to enact some of these principles. So then how do you also react to, and you touched on this, Steve, I think a little bit earlier, is the idea that you know, at times companies may push an idea out there and it may not succeed. And, and then there's a negative reaction to that, and then they just don't want to go away from the norm. How do you kind of, again, push this this process forward of continuing to make these these tests, these these ideas out there, when one failure can end up kind of bringing the turtle back into the shell a little bit? 
Well, I, th- I think that that's, that's got to be part of the mindset. And one of the things that, that uh, Jeff and I actually had some really fun arguments when we were writing the book together was this notion that we talk about in the, in the book about celebrating failure. And so one of the things that we would, we would eradicate um, in, in, in sort of the lexicon of, of leadership is this idea that failure should be celebrated. It's like, no, failure – Failure is not something that you know anybody wants to have happen. But what we need to make, make sure is that we define failure very, very carefully. So failure is not being wrong about your hypothesis about a you know a, a business model or a customer value proposition or customer behavior. Failure is spending way more than you needed to spend in order to discover that. And so the idea the idea of putting something out there in a big way to be bold when you and you do that far more than you need to is something that we would say figure out the minimally viable move that you can make so that failure becomes not as big of a deal that doesn't you know cause the turtle to crawl back into its shell. You make it okay to learn and adjust as you move forward. But it's when failure becomes the egg on your face, you know, someone's blamed for stuff is when that will cause people to start to um, come back to their, uh, go back to some of those behaviors. Great having you both with us today. Thank you both. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Dan. Absolutely. Thanks Thank for you. The time. You got it. The, the book is Detonate, Why and How Corporations Must Blow Up Best Practices and Bring a Beginner's Mind to Survive. Jeff Tuff, Stephen Goldbach are the authors. Uh, the book is available uh, in bookstores and online right now for your purchase. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. 